to speak to us tonight. God, would you give the words that would flow right now, would it be you and, and only you? God, would you just, the, the, the word that's been burning in my heart in this last few weeks and preparing, God, that, that that would be a word for key people tonight. God, there, there's there's the word of the Lord. And so, God, would you, would you still our hearts, prepare the soil, that the seed would go deep. Any distraction in this place, Father, we ask it to leave now in Jesus' name. And we just take authority that you are here and your presence is here. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, in preparation for tonight and uh, these three days of meetings, I've, I've been just, uh, God, what would you say to us? You know, in October, we, we saw God do some amazing things. And the theme was arising again that, like Ezekiel, in the Valley of Dry Bones, and that we would have the breath of God in us. But I feel tonight that over the next three days, God wants to talk to us a little bit about, about fire and about, about that burning, that we'd be ignited. That in Luke 24, you know, or Luke 24, we see Jesus is with, uh, with some, the disciples, and, uh, you know, they said, our hearts were burning when we were with Jesus, but that we would be a people where our hearts are burning, that there would be such a burning and passion. And, and I said, God, what, what, what does that mean? How do we get to that place? And I believe the Lord said, it's, it's a call upwards. It's, it's a call to the mountain. And I'm like, the mountain? What do you mean the mountain? You know, like, does that mean we all got to go to Jasper and get on our cars and like drink weird Kool-Aid? You know, like that's weird. Like what, what, what's the mountain? What's the call up? And I start, I start looking through scriptures and uh, I believe God tonight is calling us to the mountain. That the word of God for you tonight is a call to the mountain of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, could you please turn tonight to uh, Luke 9, 28. And uh, in this story, it's the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. And in this transfiguration, um, you know, what is it? The transfiguration is where there's this sudden, you know, immense light that comes off Jesus. It's the point in Jesus' journey where, where he, the, the, the whole holy, the whole God deity, is, it comes out. Here's just a man, but now all of a sudden the glory of God shone on his face. And, and uh, we, we read that, and I believe that's just uh, going to set the stage for tonight about talking about the mountain. Where did that story happen? On a mountain. And uh, Luke 9.28 is uh, in a new international version I'm reading tonight. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up unto a mountain to pray. He was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about the departure which he was about to bring to fulfillment of Jesus at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter, said to him, Master, it is, good for, is it good for us to be here? Let, let us put up shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. I mean, that's what it says in the Bible. He didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> uh, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son who I am chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one 
at the time what they had seen. So we got this story. We got Peter, John, James. They, they climb a mountain, you know, long days, they're sleeping on grounds, they're sleeping on floors, they climb this mountain, they're tired. I, I mean, sometimes when you pray, it, it can be hard to pray, and you get a little sleepy, you know, and so they're, they're trying to stay awake with Jesus, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, before they know it, Jesus is like, face is shining like a light. It's just, boom, Jesus, and all of a sudden, his clothes go white. Well, I have a lot of shirts and I find it, you know, in the collar where it gets dirty, it's hard to get a shirt white again. You know, you got to get the shout out, and it still never gets the same. And so I'm just like, okay, God, that was like some pretty cool bleach that happened. Boom. You know, white clothes. I mean, I, be, I didn't even know if his, his tunic was white to begin with, and here it's white. It's this white sheet in front of them. And I mean, they wake up. They wake up quick. And, uh, you know, so they're with Jesus on this cool journey up this mountain, and the, the two guys that appear, I mean, we just think, oh, yeah, Moses, Elijah. But for these guys, for Peter, John, James, it's like they're heroes. They're two heroes that they heard about story after story. Their parents would tell them about these people. And all of a sudden, they are in front of their eyes, shining. And Jesus is there, shining. Uh, uh, it's just, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I find it so funny how Peter responds. Because have you ever been in a conversation where there's, you know, there's someone and it's awkward? And it's, there's a nervous person. And uh, they don't know what to do. And so they just speak. They just like ramble. They just say stuff. They, they, so he's like, um, um, yeah, yeah, should I, should, I, should I put up some tents? Should I put up some shelters? Jesus, da, da, da. And like in the Bible, Luke's saying he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> like he's just speaking. He's just, it's just coming out because it was like, ah, uh, you know. And he was trying everything he could to not wet himself probably, you know. It was like, what can I say? I, I, I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, but Jesus comes. They fell face down when his glory was there. You know, the transfiguration, you know, happened on top of a mountain. Moses and Elijah, they, they, weren't, they weren't not accustomed to mountains. They've been on mountains before. And uh, who better to, to talk about an exodus, you know, than Moses? You know, for Moses had led the people. You know, there's a book in the Bible about Moses, Exodus. And he led the Israelites. And uh, so they're talking about Exodus. And Moses had led, you know, Israelites from Egypt, from the Egypt to the Red Sea. And he had led them to a place at Mount Sinai. And uh, I believe today's readings and what we're talking about with Moses, you know, Moses was, Je between Jesus, Moses was a type and Jesus the anti-type. Moses was a prophecy and Jesus was a fulfillment. Moses was the mediator of the old covenant, but Jesus came and was the mediator of the new covenant and the eternal covenant. And uh, so when Moses went up on a mountain back in Exodus, he goes up on this mountain to, to meet with God. The children of Israel were in the wilderness. There was slavery in Egypt. They, they, that was all behind them. They came out of that, but now they're in this wilderness place. And uh, there's this Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up there. And, and, and sometimes when, you know, when things aren't what they used to be, for them in Egypt, they used to have a roof over their head. They, they knew that there would be work every day to do. They knew that there would be food and that would keep them going, but they were still in slavery. But now they were in the wilderness. They were free. They were on their way to the promised land, but, but they start to doubt. And at times they start to say, huh, you know, you know, we don't have stuff we can count on. And those are the times that we need to count on God. And it was the call to count on God. And, and, and they were bewildered and they didn't know what to do. And, and where was God? Where was he? Well, he was on a mountain at the time. Well, Mount Sinai. 
And he, he, called, he called Moses up to meet with him on this mountain. He was on this physical mountain, the presence, the glory of God. And, uh, you know, even today we feel sometimes like we're in a wilderness. You know, it's, it could be dry, it could be lonely, it could be hard. You know, the economy, the way it is, there are jobs being lost. You know, sometimes darkness and, and, and toughness of life are all around us. But I believe in that wilderness, God can be found. That there's a place where God can be found. And, and same with the, the people. God was found in that wilderness. And so Moses went up this mountain. And uh, he goes up there. And uh, it says here that, uh, you know, everywhere. And it says that in Scripture, it says, Here is where I will meet you, God told Moses. Here is where you worship me. Here is where I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Not just on any mountain, but on this mountain. God has caused his name and his glory to dwell. So the children of Israel worshiped God at Mount Sinai. And there on the mountain, Moses, Aaron, Nabad, Abu, and 70 representatives of Israel saw God. They ate, they drank, because God's presence was there. And there on Sinai, the, the, the word of God, the, the, for them, the covenant, the ten, the ten commandments were given to them. And uh, it was where they received his word, and God was present with his word. And uh, Moses went up on that mountain, and the bright cloud of God's glory, in, in the Bible it's called the Shekinah glory. I used to be like, what's Shekinah? Like preachers would come, Shekinah. Like it sounds so weird, but it, it, it's, it's, it's the glory of God. It's a real tangible presence, a manifest glory of God. And, and he would hab habitate with the Lord. It wasn't just a visitation. He would be there for 40 days and 40 nights with the presence of God all around him. And, uh, you know, to the Israelites below, though, the bright cloud of God's glory looked like a consuming fire. And that's what God looks like when his glory, you know, is, 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 is manifest and real. And, you know, they questioned. They said, can Moses survive God? Is Moses even coming back? He went up that mountain. And where is God for us? You know, we're, we're dissatisfied. We're in this wilderness. He took us on this journey. And, and like, come on. Well, what's going on here? And they start to get restless. And, and, and they, start, they start to, you know, fear start coming out of them. They, they were afraid to go to the mountain of the Lord. They were afraid to go up there because their hearts weren't right. And, and, but they were afraid. They were afraid. And fear sometimes causes us to do some funny things, doesn't it? That we're afraid of the dark. Or, you know, we can, be, we can be really strong. But, you know, on the smallest little things, we can be fearful fearful and fear can just overtake us and so they, they they were they were just overtaken with fear and they, and they built a golden calf and they start to worship that and uh you know they just and then Moses would come down and he was like oh what's going on and, and then Elijah the other guy that's on the mountain of transfiguration he, he was accustomed to mountains too he's been on mountain before and, and I think in particular in first Kings 19 you know the Lord said he, he was afraid and he, he ran to God, and where did he run? He ran to the mountain. He went up onto this mountain, and uh, the scripture reads in 1 Kings 19, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake became a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. 
See, I believe that God is saying tonight that there's some, something significant about standing on a mountain. I believe tonight that there's, God is calling in our hearts, our city, our nation, to stand on a mountain because the Lord is about to pass by. That the, that the presence of God is here. Some of you are like, huh? Huh? What's that mean? Are we, are we supposed to go to a, a physical mountain? Like this was a mountain he stood on. How, how do I do that? And, and, and no, no, no. Listen closely to me tonight. See, the Old Testament was the law, and it was conduct, and how to enter God's presence. There was rules. There was regulations. There was law. There was this tabernacle and this tent that, that was actually a physical place. It was the Holy of Holies where you'd go, and if you had sin or anything that wasn't pleasing in God, and you walked into there, you'd die instantly because His presence was so strong and it was it was God right there you know but the prophets of old they talked about something that was coming they talked about a a Jesus a Messiah that would come and change it all so that we would have instant access through the cross that there would be a Messiah that would come and it'd be a new covenant that, that we could go in our hearts to that mountain you know Hebrews 12 talks about this it says for you have not come as the Israelites did to the wilderness to a material mountain that can be touched that is ablaze with fire into gloom and darkness and raging into a blast of a trumpet whose make its listeners beg that nothing more be said to them for they could not bear the command that was given If even a wild animal touched that mountain, it would be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling with fear. But rather, you have come to the Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless multitudes of angels in festal gathering, and to gather the assembly of the firstborn. It goes on to say, you know, that then at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he has given a promise. Yet once more I will shake and make tremble. Not only the earth but also the starry heavens. Now this expression yet once more indicates the final removal. And and that God that there is a shaking that is happening. Let us therefore receive a kingdom that is firm and stable and that cannot be shaken. For our God is a consuming fire. So what I'm saying is that Jesus came and changed the location of the mountain. From that physical place to a place in our hearts tonight. That there's a mountain, there's a, there's a place in your heart that you can go and where, where his presence is. See, the tent, the tabernacle is right inside of us tonight. It's, it's not, you don't have to get your GPS and drive a certain place to get there. You can go right to the presence of God tonight. Right to the tabernacle of the Holy of Holies. And, uh, you know... The mountain is a great analogy because it starts at the ground. It starts at where we are. It starts where our circumstances are, and you can climb, climb upwards, and it points to God. And uh, I believe that God's saying tonight that there are a few things, that, that there's a shaking of the normal. There's a shaking of the status quo Christianity that God is calling us, that, that we not just settle where we're at. We not just go to church and, and leave and just come and go and go through the motions of Christianity, but that there be a relationship that is so strong in our hearts that connects us with the Holy of Holies. It's a call to a fullness. It's a call to going deeper, and it's a call that, that, that God is saying that now is the time there's a generation for many have prayed and many have called out to God for many years and I believe God is saying in this day in the last days I will pour out my spirit and I I just believe in that that God wants to do that in our hearts see there's two responses two ways that we can go up the mountain tonight and number one I believe God would say is to repent to go up the mountain is a call to a repentance of the heart that in the story of the Israelites and Moses, we, we saw 
how the Israelites in Exodus 19 could approach the mountain but not climb it. Why was this? Why couldn't they just climb up the mountain, done, get their, uh, get their climbing gear out, you know, climb the mountain, get their spikes on their shoes and go for it? But uh, God knew their hearts. See, God says, no, you're not supposed to go up the mountain. The people were not qualified. They, they didn't have the right conditions in their heart to go up the mountain. What are those conditions tonight? You know, Psalms 24, 4 to 5 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. See, the Israelites were afraid of God. They were afraid of the mountain. Fear held them back. And, and, and having that intimate relationship with God held them back from their full potential. See, God wanted their hearts. He wanted that intimacy with them. But we cannot go there if our hearts aren't right tonight. We can't go into the Holy of Holies if, if we're not okay inside with God. And uh, sin is opposite from God. The Bible talks about serving two masters. That there is one cannot serve God and sin. That there is God and there's sin. And, and you have to choose. If we want to see God move, we have to come to a place of repentance. There's a cost. For he's calling his people to live pure and holy lives. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. And then, and then Peter 2.11 says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sinful desires. See, in the story of Moses and the Israelites, God was delivering his words to Moses on the mountain in the cloud. But the people were growing impatient. They, they, they didn't know what to do. They were, they were reasoning, you know, maybe he's not coming back. You know, we, we Facebooked Moses. We Twittered him. And his Twitter says, it just says glory. You know, what does that mean? It's been not updated for like 30 days, like 40 days. You know, what, what do we, Blackberry message him? He's out of service. Like, like what, what do we do? And they became restless. And so they made this golden, you know, they're like, ah, oh, he's MIA. He's gone. He's, he, he's you know. He's probably not coming back. And so, uh, so they, they made this uh, golden calf, and, and, and they worshipped it. And, uh, you know, Exodus 32, 15 to 19 says, And Moses turned and went down the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. And Joshua waited for him halfway, heard the noise of the people. And, you know, they said, well, it's probably war. But Moses, but he, Moses said, it is not the noise of shout nor the noise of cry defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was, as soon as he came down, he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them. The people built that golden calf to worship. See, idolatry is the attempt to locate God where he has not promised to be. To obligate God to do things that, the way we want them to be done. That perform to our specifications, to dance to our tune. You know, when God's people pursue the things of God, but not God, when we choose to, you know, when we chase the miracles, the blessings, the gifts, the prophetic word from, from certain people, the, the fire, and not the miracle worker, the blesser, the gift giver, the, the still small voice of God himself, and that all-consuming fire that he is. See, when we get consumed with everything but his presence, when, when we, idolatry is a fear, love, and trust in something or someone other than God, ultimately in ourselves over God. 
we must come to repentance. See, in Moses' day, there are all these laws to become clean and worthy of intimacy. You know, but Jesus changed all that. Jesus sent his son to a cross on Mount Calvary, and he died so that we may live. It is a mountain in the soul that only through repentance you can get there. It costs to live for Jesus. And uh, that cost is, is, is to, to, to die to the sin. See, I need to be honest with you. When we talk about fire, I love fire. I, as a kid... Oh, like campfires. Anyone like campfires? Like the smell, good. But like I used to get sticks and I used to like poke and like probably like swing them around and burn people and and also take the stick and try to like write smoke signals in the air and pretend you can make like the swirls and you know. And uh, But I remember one time I was with my family camping and I told my dad, I'm going to make the fire. And I was quite young and I was like, I'm going to show you how to make the fire. I can do it. You know, the, the Boy Scout, you know, I can make the fire. So I go to the wood pile at the campground, and sure enough, I just grab the, the top wood right off the bat. I mean, I just, I can make a fire. I know what I can do. I can make a fire. It's easy. So I grab the top wood, you know, pick the wettest wood there is, and, but it doesn't matter. I can build a fire. And so I go take that back, and, and my dad's like, oh, you got the wettest wood there is. And he goes, that's not going to burn. But I'm like, no, 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 watch. We got some gas. We can make it burn. So I, so I build this little fire. I got, I got the fire, you know, built, and I got the kindling, and I got the, uh, you know, the, the lighter fluid. And, and uh, so I'm like, Dawson, get the paper on there. And I, I light it. And, I mean, it, it lit. Like, it was like, whew, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, look at that, Dad. Look at that. Like, come on, I can do that. And uh, the fire's, like, big, you know, for about 20 seconds. <laughs> And then about, you know, then it kind of dies down a bit. I'm like, maybe it needs a little more paper. So throw a little more paper on, you know. And you st- the smoke starts to change at some point where you see, you know, it's, it's, it's that white smoke. It just looks a little different. And you can tell it, it's water coming up. And uh, there's a lot of water in that wood. I picked the wettest wood there was. And, uh, and you know, 60 seconds later, I sink back into my camping chair and we don't have a campfire. <laughs> no more gas left, no more paper. But, you know, when I think of that story and I think about wet wood, wet wood doesn't burn. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we want to be people on fire, that, that for his purposes, we need to be dead. We need to be dry. We, we can't have flesh. We can't have the, the wet things of our own self in God's presence. Because if, if we want God, if we want all that he wants, then it, it's a call to be dry. It's a call, you know, as a resurgence team we met and, and uh, a few weeks ago, and, and we just said, okay, God, we're believing for this resurgence. What can we do in our hearts to prepare it? And we led ourselves in just a time of repentance, and we had communion with God, and we just said, Oh, God, if there's anything in us that's not of you, if there's anything in our hearts that stop you from moving. And, and we just repented as a team of all those things. And, and we just felt a release from God. Because when there's things that just creep up and, and, and we say, oh, well, you know, we love God and stuff. But the, the Bible talks about there's always the flesh and there's always a spirit. And they're always in opposition. And so daily we need to come to that cross and we need to repent for our sins and repent for the things that our thoughts and our actions and because uh, I believe God wants to you know that the volatility of a substance is how easily it combusts and and when you're drier you're more volatile 
And I believe that the more volatile we are, the more volatile that we can, you know, combust. You know, there, there's a theory in science called spontaneous combustion. And I was very interested in this. It's about they, 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 that these people have walked and they've like erupted into flames and died. And it, it's kind of a myth, not possible. But I just thought of that and I thought, God, I want to be someone that spontaneously combusts. When, I, when, I'm in, when I'm in the gas pump and I'm just praying and, and all of a sudden, God, I would spontaneously combust in the spirit that I would know what to say to that person beside me, that I, when I go into 7-Eleven, that I would spontaneously combust. And on a Monday morning at, at 7 o'clock when my alarm goes off and I feel as flat, that, that just, God, you would come into my room and I would just be like, ah, that there would just be something. And, and I believe that volatility, that when we spontaneously combust, that, that to go there, we have to be dry. We have to be dry to, to the flesh and to the sins. You know, uh, uh, an image that we got as, as a resurgence team was, uh, that you know, a glass box. And the glass boxes, you know, radiates the presence of God. And we all have these glass boxes. But, but when there's fingerprints on that box, it, it stops the image of God coming out. And, and at times, we get fingerprints of our own motives, our own desires, our own things that we try to place on ourselves. And it stops the presence of God. And so tonight, it'd be like a Windex, taking Windex to that box. And God wants to clean that box off, that his light would shine, that his presence would shine, and that you could go to the mountain of God. See, it's easier for God to deal with a dead carcass than a live ego. See, Lazarus, he, it took three words to get Lazarus out of, out of the grave. Three words. It said, Lazarus, come out. Done. But on and on and on, if you read the New Testament, God's like, Jesus is like, come on, guys. Get it together. Leave all you have, you know. And it's just constantly trying to get people to die to themselves. And so, uh, Tonight, I believe in a few minutes, there's going to be an opportunity that we would repent to God. That anything in our lives that's not right. Maybe you're here tonight, and you don't even know why you're here. You, you heard about it, and you're here, and you don't even know God as a personal Savior. You don't know God at all, and you're just like, okay, this is a little freaky. I believe it's not a coincidence that you're here tonight. I believe it's a divine appointment from God. And I believe he wants to come into your heart tonight and, and, and just reveal himself, that you would experience him. Because there's something when you experience, you can read about God, you can know all about God, but when you experience the power of God, there's nothing like it. You know, you know Saul was this murderer, and he became Paul, a martyr, in 30 seconds on a road to Damascus. Boom, God. And I, I believe God can change the hardest situations in this room tonight. The, the second point and, uh, is reposition. There needs to be a repositioning that happens along with repentance if we want to go to that mountain of intimacy. See, in the story of Moses, we see Exodus 24. There are a group of people that did, in fact, journey up the mountain. They pressed past the barriers, and, and they had a much more intimate version of God. They, they behold God. They ate and drank with God. But they weren't totally captivated by God. See, they were double-minded, fickle-hearted. They, they saw a glimpse of God, but they had limited vision. And, you know, as soon after, they came down the mountain and they were worshiping the golden calf. Yet, yet they went to that place. They had God. But, but what happened? And I believe, you know, it starts, uh, yeah, start, many of us uh, see physically going on a walk in the mountains is quite nice. When, when you start on the mountain, you know, it's, it's kind of nice in the mountains to go for a nice walk. But when you start getting up higher up in the hills, it turns to a pretty tough climb. 
And I, I've been on camping trips, youth camping, young adult camping trips. Yeah, everyone wants to go for a walk. Everyone wants to go for a walk. When you say, hey, we're going to go for a hike. All of a sudden, uh, a few people just want to sit around. You know, are you one of those people, you're not into, who's into hiking here? You really like, yeah, yeah. But like climbing, when it gets steep, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, I didn't bring the right shoes for this. And, and you have those real intense people that really just like, oh, yeah, we're ready to go. We're going to go for like 10 hours. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll just sit around the hot tub, you know. Let's go to the hot springs. But, but there, there's a difference. And I notice that fewer people want to go higher up when things get steep and and there's this normal status quo type Christianity you know it doesn't offend it doesn't ruffle too many feathers many serious make many serious life changes you know we keep living as life before it doesn't get weird we do church on Sundays and we we just yeah it's just we're Christian it's it's all good however I believe God is saying we are embarking on a moment that it's not time to be a spectator that uh, generations have prayed for the time that we are. I believe that even in this city, ministries, prayer warriors, men, women of faith have a strong strides to see this repositioning take place. And, uh, you know, that's the heart of resurgence. We, we've said we're not here to make a wave. We're here to ride the wave. We, we, we're, not, we're not these cocky young people coming along. Yeah, resurgence and come do our thing. And we want to do build our little kingdom. We want to build the kingdom. We want to support the churches, the pastors. And I just bless if you're a pastor, you're a minister here tonight. I am so blessed and honored that you would come and be a part of this. And, and that, that, we would, that we would stir on the body. That we would continue what you have, have been laboring for. That we would, we would hold hands together and we would, we would push the, the things of God forward. That's our heart. And, and I believe that globally in this world, there's a darkness. There's economically the things of morality. You know, I read the paper, 24,000 jobs are lost in Alberta. And, and things aren't good. Spiritually, it feels like that. You know, we live in a time where more churches are closing than opening. There are more people leaving the ministry than going into it. You know, God has given them dreams and, 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 and things, and they've They've, they've turned that aside for what the world would call success. You know, in, in Paris alone, there are more witches than ministers registered with the government. You know, th- th- this must bother you. There must be a rising. There's got to be something in us. There has to be a repositioning. See, in the history of the church, you know, the, the church would move forward and then they would get stuck. And so, so in, in the 1400s, the guy named Martin Luther, he rose up and, and he... And he, and he nailed this uh, thesis to, to a door, and he, you know, he, he got the church going again. Things were stirred up, you know, but then, then things got stuck again. John Wesley came along, he started preaching sanctification, and there was a breakthrough of God, and, and stuff, the, the church started going again, but I believe that we find ourselves at times stuck in this day. And there has to be a rising again. There has to be something. We live in a world where suicide is rising. More people are dying with, without the lack of drinking water. The AIDS epidemic is through the roof. And what are we doing? What are we? We're just, we're just going on with life. The status quo, the normal. There's got to be a shaking. There's got to be a repositioning. There's got to be a shift. See, in the story of Moses, Exodus 33 talks about a man named Joshua who would not depart from the tent where God's presence was. See, he had a burning passion. He repositioned himself and was desperate for that intimacy. He knew if he got in with God, everything else didn't matter. He knew, and he stayed in that presence. He stayed in that place. And and you know what happened to him? 
he went on to lead the whole generation. And it was the first words God spoke to him? Arise. That the word is arise because he found God on the mount. He found God in that secret spot in the tent, the tabernacle of the Lord. See, I believe all across this place, there may be teachers, nurses, business people, lawyers, engineers, Bible college students, on and on. God has given you that intellectual knowledge. He's given you that talent to study, to learn, professions. And, uh, you know, I, as Ken mentioned, I graduated from the University of Alberta. And, and there's this thought, you know, people have said to me, you know, you believe in the Spirit of God, but you're also an engineer. Some, something doesn't fit, you know, that, that there's, and I have this analytical mindset, I will admit, and, and it doesn't seem that I would be, why, why would I be into this, you know, it doesn't, it's not so analytical, and, uh, but there was a point in my life where I was sitting in church, and I was in, it was in youth, and I said, listen, I read the Bible, I read what God's done, and the gospel is not just, it's not just about reading, but there's something about demonstration, where, where, where Jesus went out, and and uh, Trev, you preach words about, about how Jesus went out and, and laid hands on people and they were healed. And I'm like, well, why can't that be me? If, 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 if Jesus said all this and we're reading it and we're preaching it on and on and on and we've all heard it so many times, at what point is it going to click? At what point are we going to actually do it and say that His Spirit is alive today? He's not dead. He's alive. And that the Lord wants to pass us by, that His presence is here even tonight and, uh, you know, from that point on, I just knew, I just knew that uh, there was a rising. And uh, God said that there's a rising of a spirit in my life, but in also other lives. And, but it became in a repositioning. I had to reposition my mind. And it comes from changing the mind. There's a renewing of the mind and repositioning. See, our mindsets can hold us back from going where the mountain of God. And I believe God is saying that there are people in this room, there's been a gap between you and God. That the gap has been that intellectual reasoning and, and, and analyzing. Faith in God you cannot see doesn't fit into the framework of your mind. That, that, that inside of you, you've said, okay, yeah, yeah, these people are a little eccentric. They're a little, hmm, they're a little, and, and you've, you, 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 yeah, they're okay, but you, there's just this shift in your mind. And I believe that God is saying that there are some mindsets that have to change. There are some tonight that you've been here and you've had great dreams from God. You've been at a point in your life where, wow, God was awesome. You maybe went on a YWAM trip. You went to Bible college. You had great dreams to do great things from God. But the circumstances of life, you know, you got married. Things changed. You had to get a job to support that. And, and, and just things have changed. And you find yourself and you look back and you go, wow, I was going to do all that and now I'm not even close to where I was. I believe God is saying that there's going to be a repositioning tonight. That there are things that have been locked away that are going to bubble up to the surface again. That those dreams that God had given you weren't, weren't, weren't too much pizza. They weren't just a bad thought. It wasn't a bad stage in your life. But it was that God-inspired God dream that He has for you. And uh, yeah... That's, uh, God's, God's going to change some mindsets. Hmm. Hmm. See, now you look back like, like Joshua, you know, just stay in the tent and be in that place. Like, I want to be a Joshua that stays in the tent, that stays in the presence of God, that stays in that tabernacle. And, and God is saying tonight that in our hearts we can do that. We can meet the holy of holies in our hearts. And uh, even as I talk about this tonight in the mountain and stuff, some of you are analyzing and saying, okay, that doesn't really, that doesn't fit. Yeah, that, doesn't, that doesn't fit. 
that scientifically, how do you prove God? And you may be a Christian and all that, but the Spirit freaks you out. I say, God, God wants you to experience His Spirit tonight. Would you let Him in? Would you let that repositioning of your mind happen? That the, A condition for resurgence is to tune into the frequency of the Spirit tonight. That, that, that Just like there are, there are waves going through this place, there are microwaves, and there's this mic, which is a UHF frequency that is going through this room. There are a lot of frequencies going through this room, but I believe God's saying, would you adjust your antenna? Would you adjust your mind to tune into what I'm saying, to tune into what the Spirit says? For the Bible says, but it is written, eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. See a condition? is that we would tune into it. And uh, yeah, with the, with the worship, Michael, would you come? And uh, so we have repentance, and then we have a repositioning, that we reposition our hearts. But when we come up to the mountain of God, when we climb those rungs of the ladder of intimacy to God, what, what, do we, what happens? I believe we receive on the mountain. That, that, that when, we, when we do those things, that we come to a place where we can receive from God. You know, Moses, more than we want to have intimacy with God, God wants to meet with us. More than we want to go there, God wants to meet with us. See, when we are on the mountain, we are in this tabernacle residing with the glory. Things change. See, the dream of God is to have a habitation among His people. It's not to vision. It's not to just be a Sunday kind of thing. Or, you know, occasionally permit where, where I can come. God can hang out with you and then, you know, you know, chill out kind of thing. But it's like all the time. For when Elijah was on the mountain, the Lord is going to pass him by. Who needs the Lord to pass them by tonight? Because I do. I need the Lord to pass them by. And I believe, number one, that His glory and presence is on the mountain. That on the mountain of transfiguration, when the bright light and glory radiated from Jesus, the disciples fell on their faces. When it was over, Jesus said, Arise. There's a rising that God wants to do in our hearts, this city, the nation. He wants to reveal His presence and glory. See, Moses was on the mountain and had seen miracles. He's seen the presence. He's seen pillars of fire. He's seen crazy things. The Red Sea parted. But he's on that mountain. And what does he pray? He said, you know, he was mouth to mouth with God. The, the scripture says mouth to mouth with God. He was a friend of God. But he said, God, show me your glory. He, he wanted more. He wanted the glory of God. And I believe that we're on the mountain, that the glory of God, that the manifest presence of God breaks out. Demons fall. Strongholds are cast down. The hard-hearted cry out for salvation. See, 3,000 souls are saved in one day. Faith is alive on the streets because, because in our hearts we're there. We're, we're at the mountain. The dead are raised. Healings happen in the glory of God. See, in the 1920s in a theater three blocks away, Charles S. Price came and he preached and people were hungry. It was a time for a rising in this city. And they came to that theater and, and they came by the masses. So many people that they had to close that theater and they had to go to the Edmonton Gardens. And in, the, I believe, 1924, they went to the Edmonton Gardens and, and they say 10,000 got saved. People were so hungry for the presence and the glory of God that they broke windows and then would throw the money to pay for them. 
Like, God, would you do that again in our city? Oh, God, we need to hunger. We need to rise, you know. Do you mean we got to break some windows? No, no, don't go break windows. Don't do that. But it just shows how hungry they were. How hungry are you tonight? How hungry are you for his presence? On that mountain, on the mountain where, where Elijah was, on the mountain where Jesus was, and on the mountain where Moses was, the glory showed up. I see the second thing that happens on the mountain is uh, your perspective changes. See, when you're on a mountain, the challenges, the things you face have a different look. Recently, I was in Banff, and uh, you can move ahead to a couple slides, pictures of me in Banff, and we went up the gondola to the top of the mountain, and uh, we we saw, you know, these massive trees like 40, 50 feet high. When we went up the mountain, we went up to that place where, where God was, you know, you know where God was, but up the gondola, and uh, we go up there, and uh, we, uh, yeah, you see, we look out, and you know, all the buildings in Banff that were so big, you know, three, four-story buildings were so small, and we see the trees that were 40 feet high just look like little toothpicks, and I believe that that's what happens when we go to the mountain of God, that the circumstances, the problems, the things that we face, see Genesis 18, 14 says, ask the rhetorical question, it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, in Luke 1, we hear, for with God, nothing is impossible tonight. See, you might be here tonight and you might be facing an impossible situation. A situation has no remedy. Maybe in your body physically, maybe, maybe in your finances, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your business, maybe in the dream in your heart, and you just wonder where God is. And I tell you that the mountain of God is bigger than any mountain you face. See, that our altitude will change the atmosphere around us. When we go to the mountain of God in our hearts, that the altitude changes the atmosphere, that there's something that changes. See, in the sermon Jesus preached on a mountain, his most famous one called the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about the city on a hill cannot be hidden. And uh, what was he referring to? He's talking about a city that rests on the mountain, is unable to hide because its illuminating presence is, is visible to all the cities around it. See, the grammar context is the infinitive verb to hide suggests that the city is not attempting but unable to hide because it's uh, so bright and it's so high up on the mountain. And uh, it seems evident that it's not necessarily the light but the location. See, it's resting on the place. See, Christ is obviously liking the city to the believer. See, the believer resting on the rock foundation of Christ, on the mountain of God, cannot help but radiate to those around them. When we are on the mountain, our perspective changes. And we, we talk about trying to reach people, and we come up with all the ways and gimmicks and things that we can bring people into church, and that we can do all these great things, and they're all great. But if we are on the mountain of God, it'll radiate without us having to say a thing. People will see you and say, wow, you've been with God. I want what you have. Because people are hungrier than we expect. See, we think people, to, to, to Christianity and to God, they want something real. That They're going through times and they need a real God. And, and if you really have the presence of God in you, it, it'll flow off of you. If our churches, if resurgence is what we're doing, if the presence of God is here and experiences God will change it all. All we need to do is usher people to an experience because God will do the rest.
Yeah, Jesus. See, tonight I believe God wants to move the mountains. You know, his scripture talks about having faith to move mountains. See, too long we've been in a valley looking at the mountain. We've said, oh, that mountain is so big, that health need, that the financial need is impossible. But God's saying when you're on the mountain of God that's higher than any other mountain and you see the other mountains around you, they look small in comparison to the mountain you're on because you're on a higher mountain. Your perspective changes. And I believe God's saying our perspectives need to change. Number three, a release of the kingdom of God. In, in, this gener- in a preparation of this message, I was just, wow. I was like, God, show me a word that you would have. And all of a sudden jumped off the page is, is, is uh, Luke 17, 20. And he says, uh, asked by the Pharisees, Jesus says, when the kingdom of God would come, he replied to them, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed with a visible display, nor people will say, look, here it is, or see it there. For God, the, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts, and among you, surrounding you. See, inside of every one of us are the blueprints, the DNA, the things that God has called us to. The, the things that God, when we were born, have been put in our heart, that to fulfill the very kingdom of God, that our lives are made to perform that. Our lives are made to live that out. The dream God has given you is a dream for you and just for you. And as you live that out, you are seeing the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is, is inside of us, Scripture says. And see, we need to understand that tonight the kingdom of God, which is inside of us, is the mountain of God. See, Daniel 2 talks about when a stone will rise in the last days and become a great mountain. That is the mountain of the God. The, the, the mountain of God. See, we are in the last days. Peter preached it. The last days are here. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Acts 2, he preached it. He, he quoted Joel 2 about the, I will pour out my spirit in the last days. You know, Micah 2 says, uh, he also said, Micah 4, I think, says, also prophesied that, there will be a mountain in the last days that people will stream to. It's the mountain of God. So the very kingdom of God is found on that mountain. It's, it, what's the kingdom of God? You're like, kingdom of God. What's the point? Who cares? The kingdom of God. It, it's, it's the very kingdom of heaven and earth. It, it's where the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in us. There's an authority and power given from God for every instance in which Jesus either did it or commanded the kingdom, miracles followed. See, the present reality of the kingdom will become manifest tonight in, in every believer that wants to. That the very kingdom and the things that Jesus lived out and walked are for you to live out, are for you to walk out. The very kingdom of God. Number four, what was on the mountain was there was a fire. See, what else on the mountain there but there was a fire. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven on the mountain, he took the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And he, he ascended actually on a mountain. And then he said, go wait in Jerusalem till, till, the, till the Spirit comes and empowers you. So of the 500 people, only 120 people actually made it to the upper room, this upper place. And they waited for days for God to come. They were so hungry for his presence. They wanted God. And they waited for that fire. And Acts 2 describes that after waiting 
the fire came and empowered them. Moses went on a mountain and he described the burning bush that would not burn. There was a fire there. Elijah was on Mount Carmel. Fire would fall from heaven and, and know that God was the true God. And at the very end of his life, Elisha stood by the chariot, fire and horse. A fire swept down and took Elijah to heaven. Fire's on the mountain tonight. See, tonight the presence of God is here in such a tangible way. And in preparing this word, I, I just felt His glory so strong that, that God, would you show us your glory? And I'd ask you tonight, would every head bowed and every eye closed and no one moving around for His presence is here in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I believe that we're in a holy moment. A moment where it's just you and God. That if you're here tonight and you would say, Travis, you talk about a mountain, you talk about tabernacle, you talk about going to God, you talk about this physical mountain, but you talk about this mountain inside of us. I don't even know Jesus. I don't even know that if it would all end tonight, if, if everything was over tonight, if if game over popped up on the screen of my life. I don't even know where I would go and what would happen. Jesus Christ wants to come into your life tonight and wants you to experience God. That, that there would be an experience that only He could do. That tonight that you are not here for out of just coincidence uh, you got invited but you are here for an encounter with God for the Lord is about to pass by your life and, and he, he said I am calling you I want to meet with you would you let me in and would you let me into the chambers of your heart that you've kept me out for, for you've gone through circumstances you've, you've gone through the things of life on your own but I want to I hold your hand I want to help you I want to come in see there's nothing you can do to earn His unconditional love. There's nothing you can do to get to that mountain without God. You, you, you haven't earned it. It's not nothing you do or nothing you haven't done. But God is saying tonight, you can go. You can go to that place in His heart tonight. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus is your personal Savior, if you don't know and you want to know, I would ask you, could, could you, could you slip up your hand in this place that if, if, if every eye had bowed and eye closed, that no one looking around, but right now there's something in what I've said in the last few minutes, there's something in worship when you came in this building that you've never seen before, and God is saying He wants to know you tonight. He wants to know you. He wants to come in your heart if you're unsure that if it were all to end tonight. So right now, just, just slip up your hand that, that you would indicate that, God, I want to know you tonight. Jesus, yeah, I see that hand. Yeah. Jesus, just gonna wait. Just wait on God. Just if you're just sitting there, just lift your hands forward. Mm. His presence is here. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, see that hand. Yeah. Yep. See that hand. Well, we're just going to wait. I believe there's a few more people here tonight. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If I'm not seeing your hand, just wave it. Just wave it because I, yeah. 
So I would ask you now, would, would, you, would, you, would you now make another step? And with every eye closed and head bowed, with those that have raised their hands, would, would you rise to your feet and would you, would you come to this side? Because we have just a team of people that just want to pray with you and they, they want to just talk to you. And uh, yeah, if you would just come. Because, yeah, just come. Just right now. Just, yeah, don't be shy. Just come. No one's looking around. Don't worry about it. Would you come now? Yeah, I know there's a few hands that have gone up. And would you come? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Ministry team, would you? Those with a designated badge, would you come? And uh, just in this atmosphere, I believe uh, that I was speaking tonight, and there's a repositioning that God spoke to you about yourself that in your life there needs to be a repositioning maybe it's a renewing of the mind maybe it's a maybe there's fear that has held you back maybe there's things that that you have not been like Joshua and stayed in that tent of God that, that there's been a shaking in your life there's been some sh- shaken and, and the status quo is shaken and God's speaking to you tonight and saying uh, that's me that's me I, I've held God out I've said no to the spirit I've said no to his spirit because I've analyzed it. I put God in a box, but God's saying, let me out of the box tonight. I want to erupt in your life. There are things, still greater things to be done in your life, for there is dreams, there is promises that were once there that are called to fruition, and that the presence of God would just come. And so if, if you just need a repositioning, that, that you're saying tonight, Travis, yeah, I need to reposition. I want to go to the mountain of God. Enough is enough. It's not about anyone else tonight but it's about you and it's about God would you stand in this place as a sign just of God I am I am standing up to say in my heart I'm repositioning I'm making a call to go where I haven't gone before because I want something that I haven't got before and there's got to be something that urges arises that said there's a rising that's taking place there's a rising that's going to happen in our hearts God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. If, if you responded that you need Jesus in your life, I know there's two or three others. Would you come now? Would you just come to the front? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, right now I ask you, God, every person standing, Right now, God, that your presence, God, would come right now. We ask for a repositioning, a reset of the mindsets, a reset of our, of our hearts and a renewing of the mind, that there be a shift tonight. There be a shift. Yeah, Jesus, right now, if you're standing, just receive. Talk to God. Just, just cry out to God what you're crying out for. What, what, what do you want God to do tonight? For God's saying, what will you do? There's a story in the Bible where there was dryness in the land. And what did they do? They dug ditches. God said, dig these ditches. There's a desert. Why would we dig ditches? But they wanted water, so they dug a ditch. And what happened the next day? It was filled with water. And so I believe God's saying, what is it you're asking? What, where, where do you want to reposition your heart? Dig the ditch in, in, in the area of your life. And God's going to fill it with water tonight that you're going to receive. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Michael, why don't you lead us? So as Michael leads, let's just press into God. 
and, and that we would have a repositioning of hearts tonight. There's a cry stirs our hearts, an ancient cry, a desperate prayer. It's the cry Moses prayed. We're here today. Hear our call. Show us your glory. 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 There's a cry 